You know, there's something really unique about Influence Church, and if you haven't noticed it by now, um, you will notice it, and that is that what God is doing is pretty unique. We have been in discussions with so many people over the last couple of weeks uh, about what God's doing here and, and kind of showcasing uh, our ministry and, and just to see the hand of God in what we do. And, and the other thing that's amazing is how many of you are fasting? I mean, it really is surprising. Everybody I talk to, yeah, I'm fasting from this and this and this, and, and, and to see so many people engaged in a spiritual activity on this level that Jesus said was so powerful to me is extremely powerful, extremely life-changing. And I know many of you are hungry. We were, uh, Tammy and I were uh, close to an In-N-Out burger not to eat, but she had to go into a store, and the traffic was backed up, and I was a little frustrated, you know, and I said, come on, you know, I'm sp- you know how you speak to cars, come on, like they can hear it, come on. You know, Tammy goes, just be patient, we're in no hurry. And I go, it's not about being in a hurry. I can't stand the smell of in and out right now. I mean, in one meal a day, I'm hungry. And, uh, but God is really, really, really doing some great things. And I want to encourage you to be a part of this 21-day fast because there are some things that happen in fasting that don't happen any other way. They really do. Because what happens is it's stripping away the flesh and allowing the Spirit the freedom to communicate and be in alignment with the Spirit of the living God. Jesus said something revolutionary in Matthew chapter 6. He said this, thy kingdom come. He was invoking heaven to come. Thy will be done here on earth. And the Greek in the, the verb, the way the verbs are set up, it is as it's already being done or as it's already happening right now in heaven. And the idea was that we want, to, we want to see the reality of the will of God of heaven become a part of our daily reality. We want to strip away the physical and the natural world that we might understand the spiritual world in all of its fullness. You see, the kingdom of God is an invasion of God's presence on the earth. And God's presence and God's power is really the rule of God. And what happens is when we make way for God, his rule becomes more evident in our life and in the world around us. And people sense the presence of God. They encounter the presence of God. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we have been entrusted with the eternal word of God, the Bible. We have been uh, given the Holy Spirit indwelt from on high. And the word of the kingdom, when we think about that word kingdom, literally means the king's domain. Let me ask you a question. Are you living your life right now as though the domain that you live in is the king, the Lord? Or do you operate kind of like tipping God and, and kind of giving a nod to God every once in a while, and Christianity becomes a hobby rather than the very passion and the burning desire of your very soul? You see, the world is never changed by people who show up at church. It's never changed by people who want to just kind of be nice Christians. It's changed by people who become radical for the kingdom of Almighty God. This world didn't come into being, this Christian world we think about, by disciples who were passive, but by disciples who were aggressive for the kingdom of God. You see, prayer ushers us into the presence of God. And it's important that we stay there long enough in his presence to where he really does affect us. 
The only limitation when we read Scripture that God seems to put on us is when we don't believe. We pray, but we don't believe. We pray, but we don't fast. Just speaking the word, thy kingdom come, will change the atmosphere of your surroundings. If you do a study of the kingdom of God in Scripture, you'll find that it has a lot to say. It, it talks about the kingdom of God is a righteous kingdom in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. You'll find out it's a kingdom of power. He said, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquent words of wisdom, but I came to you in power and a demonstration of the Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It's to be sought above all other kingdoms. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's also difficult to enter, Matthew chapter 19 and verse 24. Most people will not enter the kingdom of God. Because the road is narrow, and the broad that leads to destruction is very, very wide. It also, it also, we know it's to be preached everywhere. He told the disciples, go everywhere, preach the kingdom of God. It's also said to be a mystery of great proportion. Disciples said, what is this kingdom you speak of? It's something you enter. It's something that's invisible, and yet you can enter into it, you can know the reality of it. The Bible says in Romans 14 that, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Think about that. It's righteousness, it's joy, and it's peace in the Holy Spirit. When we speak about the sovereignty of God, we know that the sovereignty of God overshadows and overcomes our incompetency. And as we grow in love for the kingdom and our love begins to surpass ourself, we can expect God to move in our life and in our world. N.T. Wright put it like this, God's passion must become our passion. God's passion must become our passion. Let me talk to you a little bit about cultivating this kingdom activity. E. Stanley Jones wrote these words, if Jesus made the kingdom of God the center of his message and the center of his endeavor... The greatest need of man, as I see it, is to rediscover the kingdom of God. What does that mean to me, the kingdom of God, and how do I cultivate it? Well, Scripture says we are to seek the kingdom. We are to seek out the ability to actually see the kingdom of God. Remember, this guy named uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus, and he said, uh, Jesus, how can I get eternal life? And Jesus began to talk to him. He said, well, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he said, what is that? I mean, I can't enter back into my mother's womb, can I? He said, no, Nicodemus. He said, you see, the wind blows where it will, and you hear the sound of it. So it is with the Spirit of God. The idea is the Spirit of God will bring change in your life. You see, he said, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God can be seen. You can see God working in the lives of people. You can see God working in your own life. You can literally see what God is up to and what God wants to do. Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, the context of that was people worry about what they have and what they don't have. Am I going to have enough to eat? Am I going to have clothes on my back? Am I going to have a job? Am I going to have this? And he said, you worry about the wrong things. 
If you'll seek the kingdom of God, that which is spiritual and invisible, God will provide for you that which is physical and visible in your present reality. But you have to make it your goal and your, the aim of your life to say, I'm going to seek after the kingdom of God with all of my heart. I did a wedding last night, and most of the people there were not believers. And I just packed my, my wedding address with Scripture. I knew, I knew I had one shot at a couple hundred people. And it was amazing to me the effect it had on people. And people came up and said, I've never heard anything like that. Or, wow, that was really right out of the word of God, wasn't it? And I'm not a Christian that some of them would even identify. Some of them said, I I think I need to come see your church. I need to come be a part of that. That was amazing. You see, never overlook, never underestimate what you can do with the Word of God in your present setting. Just a word dropped here and there can be life-changing to people. The order is always the same. Seek the kingdom first, and then the physical comes. We have a tendency to say, oh, now what am I going to do? I'm worried I don't have this, I don't have that. And you talk to people, and you try to do all your scheming and all your planning, and finally it comes to the place where you go, well, I guess there's nothing left to do but to pray. Has it really come to that? We've got to pray? You see, what we want to see is that prayer becomes such a reality in your life, such a powerful tool in your life, that it's possible. Hudson Taylor, the missionary to China, said, it is possible to move men to God by prayer alone. Just prayer, moving God. Colossians, our Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 2 says this, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. Do you know that what God does is he hides truths? When you're opening up your Bible, you say, well, I don't understand this. You know, I read through it, I don't understand it. Do you know that God purposely hides things from you so that you take the time to dig it out and to seek it out? It says here, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings it is to search out a matter. And Revelation tells us that we are priests and kings before our God. And the idea is you take the Word of God, you begin to study it, you begin to pray over it, you begin to seek it, and God reveals it because He holds things back because He wants you to seek with all of your heart after God, to seek Him with all your mind and all your soul and all your strength, to seek it out. We had our grandboys down yesterday, and they were in the pool, and Cruz had a squirt gun, and he wanted to have a squirt gun fight with me. And uh, I said, well, can I use my squirt gun? And he said, yeah, and I went and got the hose. (laughs) And I nailed him. I mean, it was great. And then he got the boogie board, and he's trying to fight it off, you know, and and I'm, but he sought the fight. That three-year-old picked the fight with me, so I had to win, right? He was seeking it out. He was seeking that which he did not know. Can I tell you, you can seek after God, and you may not know all the mysteries of what God is going to do and how God is going to open up uh, his heart to you. Sometimes you open up your heart for one thing and you seek after God for one thing, and what God does is he provides what you really need. You're struggling in one area, but really the root of it's somewhere else, and God says, no, here's the real issue, and if, I, if you'll let me, if you'll just give me permission, I can transform your life. I can do more in one second than you can do in 50 years trying to fix a problem, because God is a miracle-working God. We're also to set our mind 
You know what setting your mind is? Colossians puts it like this. Set your mind on things above. You ever had your mind set on something? You say, I'm just, I'm determined. I'm going in this way. God says, set your mind on the things above. Don't set your mind on things in the earth. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. And what we want to do is we want to exchange our thinking here on earth for the thinking of heaven, our present experience for the reality of his kingdom, his kingdom. We also understand that that part of this kingdom is destroying the works of the evil one, of the enemy. Chuck Colson put it like this, as agents of God's common grace, we are called to help to sustain and renew his creation, to uphold the created institutions of family and society, to pursue science and scholarship, to create works of art and beauty, to heal and to help those who are suffering from the results of the fall. We're called to do that. You know what happens then? We undo the works of the evil one. We transform people into kingdom-minded people by just the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's transformational. One of our, one of our influence attendees has, has just going out doing his work and doing his job, and already he's led three people to Christ out on his job. Just in recent weeks, just by sharing the gospel. You say, well, what if they don't want to hear it? They'll, they'll make that clear. They'll make it clear. Don't worry about it. Well, what if they're offended? Well, what if they go to hell? Do we think about those two realities? We're worried about offending people instead of worrying about the status of their eternal destiny. We have to think differently. People are separated from God, and without your voice, without your message, without that kingdom word, they may miss God altogether. And it's incumbent upon us to speak the word of God everywhere we go and lift up the name of Jesus. Jesus said, if my name be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Just speak his name. You say, well, what if he argues? What if he brings something up? I don't know. Then tell him you don't know. That's what I do. People ask me, I don't know, but I know Jesus. Just lift up the name of Jesus. You see, unbelief in our life is rooted in that which is natural and reasonable, And unbelief honors the natural world because the natural world is just naturally skeptical about the spiritual world. But faith, you know what it does? It honors God. You honor God with that. What does fasting do? It accelerates the work of God in your life. It accelerates the work of God in your life. It brings you out of your comfort zone. I'll tell you, about 1 o'clock is when I start getting hungry. And about 1 o'clock, I get hungry. And you know my first thought? It's not to eat. My first thought is God. Every time, God. God, what do you want me to do? God, how do you want me to pray? God, what do you want me to do? Because you see, it pushes me out of my comfort zone of eating. It's funny, people apologize. Well, I'm sorry I'm eating in front of you. I said, it's really not tempting at all. There is no temptation for me to eat. Zero temptation. Because I've really got something better going on right now at that time of the day. And that is this God encounter I'm having. And that's transformational. So it takes you out of your comfort zone and it launches you into a God zone where his favor flows with abundance. 
When Jesus wanted to make it clear about what he came to do, it's written in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, these words, for this purpose, look at this, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. What kind of works does the devil have? You know what he does? He will rob you of your destiny and of your purpose. He will convince you you're not significant. He will try to take away from you your value. And you'll look at your life and go, I'm really nobody. What have I really got to offer? That's the thief in him. He will cause you to settle for less than the very best that you have. You say, well, you know, what's the big deal? You know, I'm, I've got it pretty good. I'm doing okay. Instead of seeking out what God has for you, you are created in the image of the invisible God. Have you thought about that lately? in his image, and he wants the very best for you. You have a royal destiny as a child of God. You have kingdom authority. In Genesis, when God was speaking to Adam and Eve, he said, let them have dominion over all things. God wants you to take control of life and things around you. God wants you to worship him in spirit and in truth. In Psalm 22 and verse 3, it says, you are holy enthroned upon the praises of Israel. You know what happens when you praise God? You establish his throne in your life. You sing his praises, and you drive away the enemy. That tribe of Judah that Jesus was from, and that Hebrew word yada, it means to thrust forth the hands. You ever lifted your hands before God? You say, well, I'm just not accustomed to doing that. Well, you know it's biblical. To lift your hand before God, it's to, to jut your hand out and to say praise and yada, I praise you, God. You say, do I need to do that to praise God? No, but try it. It won't kill you, I promise. <laughs> Praising God. It brings about the enthronement of God in your life. In Psalm 16, it says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. You know when you get out of the presence of God is when you're not very happy? Have you ever noticed that? If somebody's not happy, all, just ask them this, are you in the presence of God right now? Now, probably smack you, but just say, are you in the presence of God right now? Well, why would you ask a question like that? Because you don't seem to have much joy. And in the presence of God, there is joy. And then look at this next part of this verse. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know what's, who's at the right hand of the Father? The Son. In Christ, you find all the joy, all the power, all the happiness you ever will want in your life. Because you see, as we start to influence our world, we start to change the world around us, and we want to raise up a generation that will change the world. I don't mean just use that as a term. I mean really transformationally change the world that they live in. N.T. Wright, again, put it like this. All the major events that followed Jesus' inauguration of the kingdom, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus, and the gift of the Spirit are not designed to take us away from this earth, but to make us agents of transformation on this earth or of this earth. How do we do that? We have to long for the glory of God. Habakkuk put it like this in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord and the waters will cover the sea. Habakkuk said, I, I looked down this, this prophetic portal, if you will, and I saw God doing something in this world in the future. 
I saw a time when the earth was filled with the knowledge of God, when everyone was speaking the name of the Lord, and the glory of the Lord was filling that place. Just like the waters on the sea, I saw God's glory coming. And then in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 21, it says this, but as truly as I live, all the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Do you long for the glory of God in your life? Do you long to see the glory? Have you ever been around someone and you say, I know they've been in the presence of God. There's just something about them. There's something magnetic. There's something powerful. You can tell they've been with God. Don't we all long for that in our own heart? I know when I'm around someone and I just feel like they're close to God, I go, God, I want to get closer to you. And I have one thing that I'm really, really, really powerfully jealous of, and that is God's glory. I want to be in his glory. I want to be in his presence because I know it gets Phil out of the way. I know what Phil's like, and I'm not particularly fond of him. But when I get God in Phil, and the life that you see is the life of God radiating through this image of God, it's different. It's powerful. You see, we need to stand for the king. People aren't standing for the king much anymore. They're kind of taking this lie from the enemy that, you know, Christianity is kind of a private thing and I'll, I'll kind of do that thing and I'll go to heaven by myself, but I don't want to make a big deal out of this. When you choose to stand for the king, when you choose the possibilities that God can bring instead of choosing all the problems and all the reasons why you shouldn't stand for the king, when you look at, to God as the source of your strength, when you look to God for your solutions, and I mean all of them, when you choose to take a greater responsibility, you will find greater opportunities will come to you every single day. I'm not really in a position to tell you, but tomorrow morning, if you would just really pray today, tomorrow morning, I'm expecting some really, really good news about our loan, and it's going to blow our mind. If this happens, what I think is happening, it is going to blow everybody's mind. And I know you want to know, and, and I want to tell you, and I could, but I won't. But I, I just, I really believe we're right on the doorstep of this major breakthrough in the kingdom. And I believe it's been precipitated by prayer and fasting. I believe what you're doing is changing the spiritual atmosphere of what we're about. I believe we're going to see some things happening. And our society and our world and our community is going to be transformed. It was great to see that write-up that came out of the city of Anaheim just this week, acknowledging that the firecracker run and our involvement, and, and there were over 10,000 people at that event. And guess who got billing on that? Influence Church got billing on that. Key people like Michelle and others who, who have been so critical to the furtherance of what we're doing in that, were acknowledged in that. And I looked at I thought, isn't this great? This is going out to Anaheim, and they're acknowledging Influence Church, a church just 16 months old, 17 months old, and God is using that word and using this church to literally influence our community for Jesus Christ. To God be the glory. Opportunities are often disguised as insurmountable problems. You ever had a problem come in your life and go, what am I going to do? Why not say, thank you, God. This is something that's going to work in me, a work of righteousness and good and glory. And I don't know how you're going to do it, but I want to give you glory. You know what that does? It robs Satan 
of his attacks against you and the, 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 the things he does to try to pull the rug out from underneath you. At first, they may seem frightening and impossible, and you may be tempted to give up. But if you do, you'll never know the sweet success that comes from trusting in God. You'll find that when you face your fears, they get smaller. When you run from them, they get bigger. So what do we need to do? We need to pray for revival. Remember Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. I believe heaven is poised right now to release a tidal wave of glory that will result in the greatest harvest of souls and, of course, of the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ. It all points to a coming invasion of glory. The prophets had foretold it. There is a mighty demonstration of the Spirit that God wants to do that has yet to touch this planet. We can look back historically and see the great moves of God wherever they are. I remember being down there and preaching crusades in El Salvador when there was a spiritual revival taking place. One-third of that nation came to faith in Christ in 13 years. I would stand up and preach, and it was, it was a typical week to see a 1,000 people come to faith in Christ in a week of preaching. And not huge crowds, not big stadiums. Out in the marketplace and see a hundred souls come and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ while all those other Latin American countries all around it did not experience any of that. Nicaragua, Guatemala, Costa Rica, none of them. None of them because when revival comes, it's a sovereign act of God. I think it's a direct response of people's prayer and hunger after God. And those people in El Salvador during those war years, that civil war, they were so hungry for God. I remember up preaching one time, and there was a, there was a communist party leader there uh, named Jose. He was from the FMLN, and he was ridiculing me, and he was harassing me as I preached, and I just kept preaching. And we would give out these little pieces of paper, little tracks, and he would throw them on the ground, and he would stomp them on his foot. And I would go up and talk to him, and he would curse under his breath to me, and he would speak things to me in Spanish that I clearly didn't understand, but I know that they weren't positive. And I was going four times a year, and each time Jose would show up, and, and there would be rallies, those Communist Party rallies going on down there, and, and we witnessed, we were tear gassed, we were shot at, we saw people die in the streets right in front of us, and Jose was there, he was always there. And one day I went up to Jose and I said, why do you keep coming? And he looked at me and some tears welled up in his eyes, and he said, I want this Jesus but I'm afraid for my life if I accept him. And I led him to Christ. And the next crusade I came, he was handing out tracts to people. About six months went by. I looked around. I didn't see Jose. Amen. I didn't see Jose. And I went over to the little booth. They had a booth there where you could sign up and be a part of the communist party. And I went over and I said, where's Jose? And they said, he's dead. I said, what do you mean he's dead? What happened? He said, he was standing for Jesus and we killed him. He was a martyr for Jesus Christ. But God saved his soul and God used him to transform, I'm sure, lives all around him. You see, when you get that kind of a kingdom initiative in your heart, you say, I don't care what it costs. God's passion's got to be my passion. Jesus died for your sins. We've got to be willing to die for people around us so that they know Jesus Christ. God wants to bring something on this planet. We are entering in, I believe, the culmination of time. Have you watched the news just in America? Have you seen what what has happened just recently? How events that eclipse Watergate by a 
thousandfold have been brushed under the rug, have been ignored, how laws that are transforming society every day into a more immoral society, not a moral society, do not be discouraged, my friend. It causes you as a believer to shine brighter and brighter in a dark land. It's, a, it's an opportunity for you to say, here's the answer and here's the hope. You see, God is going to bring about what Scripture calls the former rains and the latter rains. God's going to bring about a move of his spirit. And ministering in the glory of God brings an acceleration of the purposes of God, not only in your life, in this church, and in your community, but worldwide. Creation groans. It's waiting for the, for the revelation of the glory of God. And it's through us that that revelation is going to come. You see, for God has chosen to make the riches of his glory known, guess what? Through you, through me, which he had prepared before the foundations of the world that we should walk in them. Numbers chapter 14 says, as truly as I live, says the Lord, the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. Let me ask you, what about you? God's going to take care of the earth. Are you concerned about your life filled with the glory of God? To walk in the presence of God, to invite the presence of God into your life? It's really simple, you know. Holy Spirit, we invite you here. God, may your presence, may it envelop us now. May we feel the sway of the Spirit. Bend us, O God, bend us. was a great cry of the great Welsh revival. Bend us, O God, that we might be under, under your watch care. Here's a couple of life applications. Here's the first one. Allow the kingdom to be a present reality in your life. In other words, give permission. Give permission to God to move in your heart right now right now determine that you will that you will influence the world and you can wherever you go you can do that a word spoken here scripture there you'd be surprised what you can do but when you walk in the spirit of god and the power of god you are an agent of transformation wherever you go and i know you can do it i know you want to do it i know that's your heart it's how we got to this place in the first place. It's because of your heart, because you wanted it different. You wanted to make a difference in the world, and you're doing that, and we're doing that together. Let's stand together as we pray. Heavenly Father, as we pray, I ask right now you to speak to every heart. Would you in your own mouth right now just speak the words, Lord, speak to me. Change me, O oh God. Would you pray, O oh God, fill me with your spirit that I might speak and I might, I might lead and I might guide and I might change the world by the power and the anointing that comes from on high. God, forgive me for being just an average Christian. Forgive me, God, for not determining that I can be a, a world changer. Forgive me, God. And God, now fill me. God, I know you don't hold, you don't want me to feel condemned. You want me to feel transformed. So right now, God, just encourage every person here. 
Whatever's happened in the past, wherever they failed in the past, God, just take that away and give them hope now and give them a future, give them a bright hope and let them really, really just walk in the power of God and put a smile on their face and transform the society that they live in right now, the places they work, the places they attend school and their communities and the places they shop. We pray in Jesus' name. And as we worship you and as we give you glory, God, may we just in this song, may we commit ourselves more and more fully to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.